We've started. <coughs> we have begun. Good evening and welcome to The Joust, uh, episode two. Thank you for joining us again. Uh, as always, I'm here with Liam McNeil. Liam, how are you? I'm well, thank you. Uh, Nagy, how are you today? I'm very well. Uh, on this podcast, we talk everything Newcastle Knights. Uh, Liam, do you have the sponsors for this episode? I do. This week's episode is, uh, of course, brought to you by Georgetown Henny Penny. The Star Hotel ride of 1979 and the time that Aidan Kelleher's mate drove the ball from Superputt across Griffiths Road into Ganinans. <laughs> Thank you very much, Liam. Uh, as uh, uh, Would you like to uh, stand for the National Anthem of Australia? Yes, please, ladies and gentlemen. As is tradition, I'd ask you to stand for the National Anthem of Australia. Uh, apologies for that, guys. Our producer has uh, bumped the gramophone. Needle skipped into the wrong groove. We will have that fixed for next week. Uh, sorry about that. That's all right. Uh, well, I'm sure we can get that re- uh, rectified for, uh, for for the next episode. Um, game against the Dogs, Liam, on Friday night. Uh, oh, of course, we can't forget uh, first. Uh, <laughs> before we launch into the show, we, launch, yeah. uh, we, uh, we have taken upon ourselves to introduce the first sip. First sips. Uh, the first sips in honour of uh, Fulmine Bianco, That's club favourite Nathan Ross, of Nathan course. Nathan Ross, uh, which is white lightning, I believe, in... Uh, Italian. In Italian, In Italian. Yeah. Uh, so. so we uh, like to give the first sip of the show to uh, Mr. Bianco in honour of everything he does for the Knights, all he represents uh, as basically the heart and soul of this great, great city. Thank you, Nathan. <sighs> <coughs> Alrighty, so uh, the Bulldogs game, Liam. Um, what'd you think? Look, it was a game of two halves, wasn't it? I mean, it's you know an often uh, played out. What's that thing called? We a narrative. Narrative, yes. Yeah. The game of two halves, you know. But uh, really, I think what we saw was two different night sides. The Knights in the first half, with the exception of that uh, try they let in with four seconds to go, were outstanding. But then coming out in the second half, just felt like there it was a different team. There was uh, none of the vigor, none of the energy of the uh, of the first half. It just felt like they'd kind of uh, gone off the boil a bit. Oh, for sure. Like uh, I think, unfortunately, it was just such a typical Newcastle Knights story. Uh, a lot of hope, uh, big hometown crowd. Um, you know, they came out firing. They controlled the game the first half. Should have really felt like they'll be they were, should have been leading by more. And uh, but only to to take the you know take the gas off right when they need it in those dying seconds can see the try you know come out in the second half uh, with not nearly as much vigor and um, you know only for like a, a, a second half comeback it late in the game to be quashed by some dodgy judicial decisions um, yeah I really felt for them um, <clears throat> but you know it was it was yeah. Yeah, it was definitely a toughie, and you don't have to feel for them. I mean, the first half, they were amazing. The defensive pressure they put on uh, was outstanding. Their defense, on, especially on their line, when they started the game within five minutes, you got drop out off the kickoff, penalty after the first set, penalty, penalty, 
And then I think another dropout all within 10 minutes. So they had set after set after set of, you know, a Bulldogs attack that's no slouch. And they repelled it beautifully. I mean, you put that Knights defensive line of the first 40 minutes. You put them in Warsaw in 1939. World War II doesn't happen. It's a footnote. Failed German invasion of Poland. It's just, you know, the defense was that good. It was such, yeah. But then for them to come out in the second half and really... uh, Loosen up a bit. There wasn't the tightness that they had in the first half in defence. There was no starch, as you said, Nag. It was starchless. Starchless. It was like... Like a like limp pair of trousers. <laughs> it's like a loose collar. Yeah, it's uh, <laughs> quite. Um, it was... Yeah, I really... I thought coming out that first half, watching the game, it felt like we were, we were, we were miles ahead of the dogs. Um, I, as you said, we repelled them time and time again. Uh, they we looked like we were making all the meters on them. We like for these forwards that you only had to look at the dogs' pack, especially in that first half before Clemmer got injured. Um, just a man on man size difference was huge. Like they were, they were, um, they, were, they had these big guys just rolling over the top, gang tackling, controlling the ruck, um, just doing enough. Uh, but you know, we, we were controlling the ruck, uh, we were doing very, very well, uh, only for. Yeah, that the pressure just to be released right at the end, and to only get that one try. Like Nathan Ross to go over, drop the ball in the in the in the first half. It looked like we were onto something brilliant here. We had them on the back foot. Uh, we we started to uh, they started to question the way they play. They they you know they they looked they looked uh, answerless. But then, um, but yeah, only for the just just to be clinched. We could see the clock ticking down. I think we were victims of the commentators' curse um, to have. Um, they said this was going to be the first time the Knights have held, kept a side to zero uh, since around six two thousand fourteen. I, I believe they that's mentioned. Correct, yeah. Uh, well, it could be around six. It was like around ten. Something long time ago. And sure enough, as as the commentator finished uh, saying it, we you know try conceded, and you could just say, and I I'm I'm sick of this like being the yeah as as like as a Knights fan just just knowing that it's coming. You know what I mean? Like you can almost sense it. And then as soon as something like that, you, you get the, to raise the hopes only for your legs to be cut from under you um, and, and thinking, well, hopefully that try doesn't really affect the game and for it too. And there'd be like a real vivid memory of how like, um, you know, this is this could have been another another game that the Knights have won. But the amount of control they, they showed in the first half, um, very strong. I like Bura starting again at hooker. Oh, absolutely. Bura starting at hooker really gives them very good direction. Yeah. Initially, he, uh, you know, he gets the team on the roll forward. He really has those forwards <clears throat> playing off him, pushing up on the ball. You've got players like Josh Starling, Mitch Barnett. They're hitting the line, ball in two hands, with options, playing the ball before the line. Uh, and again, like you mentioned, against such a big pack like the Bulldogs, they're getting outside and around the, the larger players. So those big players in the middle had to do a lot of work moving the line from side to side. And that's a style that we've seen the Knights employ this season. I really like it. I think with the mobile forward pack, Sione as well out on the flanks, very good. Again, playing the ball before the line with supporting options pushing up on on his uh, shoulders. But then, as we said, in the second half, it just wasn't there. The first half, it was there in spades. But yeah. the second, <laughs> it just <laughs> faded and disappeared. It was, um, yeah, I, I, I do like Bureau. Bureau obviously shows a lot of confidence around that ruck. Especially early on, you see so many hookers go into just a... Just a strict passing game, straight off, um, you know, straight off first man, first man, um, straight to the half kick, and you know that th- that can work if you've got a big pack. Um, uh, if you know, if you're a South or you're a Dogs, Warriors even. Um, but like the Knights have to work a little bit harder, a little bit, bit more creative, and you can see Bureau, and he would take it on, draw the markers, draw the first, um, 
draw the first defender, then give the ball. Just give the forward uh, an extra couple of metres. Mm, and um, it's working beautifully yeah. so far. But again, I think the uh, failure of the Knights to score more points in the opening half, given the strategic dominance they had, that's also been a hallmark of this season, which has worried me. Uh, game against the Warriors, especially, it was a few weeks ago. The first 20 minutes, Knights absolutely dominant. Only came away with, I believe, one try in that first 20, and they had all the possession. Uh, they had all the ball, all the territory. Um, and we just haven't been converting into points. We haven't been converting the pressure well enough. We're getting very good at putting the pressure on. Oh, fantastic. But to convert it into points seems to be a real bugaboo, if you will. And, yeah, it just seems like we're doing all the hard work and then just failing at that last post. Like, just... Uh, uh, you know, obviously Nathan Ross not getting the ball down, uh, having to Sione uh, later, in the, uh, later in the piece. Just getting there, uh, getting in the right position, having the last play to over the line, just, just granting the ball. The very, like, you know, and I mean, bread and butter all, football. But. And we've all been there. I mean, you go out to King Street, you're chatting up an absolute 10 for the whole night, and yeah. then the lights come on, the music goes down, and she gives you a kiss on the cheek and jumps in a cat. That's it. It's gut-wrenching. <laughs> Game it's, over. And it's just happening over and over again, much like... Most of my early twenties, and you know, it's just it's it's hard. It's hard. It can, yeah. It's um. Oh, it, I'm sure it does get hard. Um, Very. <laughs> it was but up around a ten on most scale of hardness, <laughs> which uh, comparable to a diamond, I believe. Uh, but it's it, yeah. It it was a game uh, that that promised so much uh, and delivered so little for the for the knights. Um, I, you know, I still can't... The effort was there. Uh, you could see the oh, guys were hurting. can't fault the effort from the boys. The guys were really hurting, especially around errors. Errors that were, you know, simple. But at the same time, um, the you could see when, uh, like, Sione, I think, uh, dropped the ball and the play the ball uh, early in the second half. Go, he just takes a moment where he's just like, I've got to get this right. Like, it, there's so much riding on this. So these guys aren't letting these uh, early rounds of this season uh, pass them by thinking that, oh, well, you know, that's just a mistake. We'll try to get on with it. They're really feeling it, and it's really hurting, especially in front of a home crowd. 17,000 people rocked Great up. Great crowd. Great um, crowd. And more than we, d really, than we deserve. This is typical of the Newcastle side that we were always going to show up for the, for the boys. Um, but we've got to give them something back. Exactly. But, you know, and I think they are showing that. They don't want to be losing. They don't want these mistakes. They want to get it out of the game. And I think with a coach like Brownie, he's going to get the mistakes out of the game. And he's showing them that you need to feel those mistakes. You need to, when the ball hits the deck, you go, ah, bugger me bum, I won't let that happen again because it hurts me in my soul. Absolutely. And I think Brownie's really going to kind of push that onto them. Like, Yeah, absolutely. I think he's really good for this side. Um, which also brings us to our, uh, our weekly hats on, hats off, or I should say hats off, hats on. It's... Uh, uh, for hats off for a particular player that we thought did uh, very well, uh, and then uh, return the hat back on the noggin for uh, for something that we thought uh, needs improvement uh, that didn't do very well at all. Um, I'll start with you, Liam. Uh, who's your hats off to this week? I'm going to give a dual hats off uh, first of all to our centres, Pete Matadia and Dane Gagai. Matadia's defence in the first half was absolutely phenomenal. Second half as well, very good, but especially in the first half, he had a lot of a lot of backbone in his defense. He was putting on good, solid, dominant hits. His sliding defense was very good as well. He really was leading that defensive line from center. He was absolutely amazing. And then Gagai in, uh, in attack on the other side of the coin, he was untouchable. I mean, you've got him running up against whichever Morris brother it is that plays in the centers. I can't quite get them right. I don't know which is which. Which uh, one's the center? Uh, the Josh Morris. I've been watching them for ten years. And I still <laughs> don't know which is which. Well, I'll forgive you only because they're identical. They twins. are identical. They are, which you know, it's confusing. 
it's, it's, confusing. it's very confusing. Maybe we should just invest, like the Knights should just invest in twins, identical twins. That way, if we if one gets injured, we always have the other one. Look, I think it's a great idea. The Safidi brothers are there identical. We have twins, yeah. There we go. We just need to get them playing consistently in the same side. That's true. Um, but yeah, Gagai in attack. I mean, you've got Morris marking up on you, one of the great defensive centres of the last 10 years. Oh, can we remember that uh, the time when he hurt his knee and, he, and then he then he got up from the trainer only to tackle Greg Inglis blindly from the... Uh, from the side that was oh, one like, of the most beautiful things I've ever seen in my life. Doesn't give you goosebumps. And um, I've seen the Northern Lights. <laughs> <laughs> but um, but you know, it's yeah, I, I completely agree with you. Uh, I thought um, I thought Pete Matatia this year is really showing his experience, uh, going through various. Yeah, you know, been in the first grade system a long time. Um, he's I think he's like about fifty or sixty first grade games, but he's playing like a much more experienced player. Uh, and it also looks like he's trimmed down this season. He looks like he is looking fit, isn't he? He is, yeah, v- very good, very trim. Yeah. <laughs> just, just um, look out, girls. But uh, you can't go past um, Dan Gagai. Uh, Dan Gagai's efforts this this uh, this season. You like well that game, I should say. Like this season, if you look at Gagai, he's he's been in the in the Knights for three or four years now. He came from the Wayne Better era, chose to stay with the side. He's played a um, rep football um, for. For Queensland, always plays really well for Queensland. Look, he's 27. We're paying him uh, like almost marquee money. Um, and I, I, like this is the time you'd expect to see the best performance out of him. Yeah, he needs to start bringing that representative form back to the Knights. He's never been bad for the Knights. In fact, two years ago, he was one of the best all season. Last year was a quiet one for him. But I think this could show the, uh, you know, the reinstatement of Dane Gagai as one of the premier centres in the comp if he yeah. brings his uh, representative form back to the Knights. And we sh- he showed at that game. like He showed how damaging he could be with the ball. Uh, just and can't tackle him. He's like a pinball. He's, he bounces around. Yeah. He's, uh, yeah, but like, he's yeah, so strong. He's, he seems like a real strong individual. He has that darting run, you know, like a Justin Hodges. You know, like it's... It, but, um, if, there, if I had to like fault his game, I'd say there was a, probably a few opportunities where he's beaten the first and even second man... Uh, as the Bulldogs were scrambling, and there was opportunities to pass, um, but look, it, most of those times they they did have another tackle up their sleeve, or it was you know still early in the piece. So he probably thinking, I don't want to ruin this for this side. In a more confident team, if he was playing for a more successful side this year, you'd probably see those passes thrown. Um, but he, look, you can't you can't fault his his effort in that game because he was every time he touched the ball, he looked dangerous. Um, and it was rewarded with a try in that second half. Um, again, beating two and three defenders. He, he, I don't know. Do you reckon they were buttering him up at like half time? Like, look, there was definitely some sort of lubricant on him. Yeah. Uh, whether it was butter, um, olive oil, I know olive has oil. been used in the past. Yeah. Uh, you know, he's just very well seasoned. He's they really. <laughs> Did a job seasoning seasoning him before basting him. Out there, yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> oh, he's been basting. He's been basting. And uh, your hats off for the week, Nagy. Who my have hats you got? off. Uh, my hats off. I have to go to Nathan Brown. Um, look, you you would um, you'd think that after coaching a season last year with you know one win and one draw, uh, he would have thought this is as bad as it gets because this this side's getting out there and getting. Uh, towed up each week but I think this season would be just a new set of challenges for him as far as being in those games in those contests uh, and just not getting the results look we're, we're at the same point like on the ladder as we are uh, as we were this time last year um, you know we're at, the, we're at the bottom we still need to do all that same work all these teams are performing um, you've got, you got teams that, that traditionally aren't uh, very strong like the Dragons uh, who are on top of the ladder. Uh, any team can beat any on their day, so every game you need to show up with the same sort of commitment. And um, like, let's just say, thank God that Brownie doesn't uh, have those golden locks anymore because there would be none left. They'd be oh, all, no, they'd be... Uh, all the coaches' uh, coaches' floor, I think. Just, they'd be, they'd no. be... He'd be, you know, 
bleeding out of his scalp. Let's be quite <laughs> honest with you. He just he, he, during the press conferences, he comes in showing so much still. It'd be so it'd be so easy for as a coach to sit there and just look fed up and look like I'm about to go give the boys a big spray because you know they they're, they're tarnishing my reputation. That but he talks from a position that he is part of this team. Uh, and like he he is uh, honest where he thinks we you know we didn't perform, but he's also um, hopeful and he wears it with so much composure. I just think it's uh, I think it's really admirable, and I think a lot of other coaches would have would have just been um, you know just look more upset, more angry, more emotional. But he just keeps it very calm and says, "Look, we're close, we're nearly there." Um, yeah, and look, he's a credit to this city, he's a credit to the club, and he's a credit to his family. Great man. He great is a great man. man. Great footballer as Wonderful well. Wonderful footballer. Anyone that too. could give Trent Barrett a good slapping, yeah. I think is uh, you know you can have it's a seat a at my table. Slap. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And um, look, I've got to take the quite unprecedented uh, move of doing maybe a third hats off. Please. We'll keep it brief. Trent Hodkinson, uh, obviously an avid listener of the Joust, listened last week and really stepped up his leadership. His kicking game was excellent. He was forcing repeat sets. He was forcing errors. It was a much more focused kicking game. It, it was a kicking game with purpose as opposed to just throwing it on the boot at the last. I think he really stepped up, took a lot more control. And I feel like that's the halfback you always knew Trent Hodkinson could be because he's Absolutely. a very controlling halfback. Um, but to show him actually exerting his experience and his influence on that and uh yeah that's that's what we're running need. the team yeah, yeah that, i think that was that, great that, look that's why he's skipper that's mm. why he, he needs to stand up look when he gets sin binned against south in round three uh, i think that was um just evident how much he cares about this side but like i'm not sure uh, as you said like i'm not sure if he's really translated that into um control over the side i think he's always been very passionate um, and look, he's our marquee player uh, currently. Like he is our one that we, you know, that we brought in there because he had origin experience. Um, and look, we've seen mixed results. He's playing on one leg last year. Um, there's still there's still speculation that he's, you know, his, his knee's not up to scratch this year. But look, he's out there giving it his all. And um, and I think I did see a lot more talk, especially when the in when there was a when there was a moment, you know, we got the ball back. There might have been a problem when the rock got a penalty, and it was like. Uh, it, you see Trent actually like saying this is what we're going to do from here and like even though that a lot of that didn't come off it was nice to see that sort of direction yeah it's uh, good to see him really taking on the mantle of the leader and, and we need it we need it more than ever because uh, in, in a losing side who wants to who wants to step up really mm. so it's 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 really because um, you you wear you wear that um, the the result and so he hasn't done particularly um, yeah he's done well to that was his old side that he was playing against too so it was good that he that he really took control. If only we got the win. But uh, who's your your hats returning to the head? Look, I'm returning the hat to the head. I'm covering the dome uh, to the referees uh, and the officials of the game, but not for the reasons we may think. Now, I'm well, that's like, interesting because my my hats back on is also to the referees. Now, I'm going to issue a hats back on to the referees uh, for the following reasons. Now, the Knights for the last few years, the perennial whipping boys, a lot of errors in the game, a lot of penalties. Um, and as a result, Brownie said after the game, you know, we're not getting the 50-50s yeah. because there's so much more scrutiny on the Knights. For example, that Mataudia uh, no try, which I maintain was the right call. I think it was the right call. I agree. I However, think... any other team, if you see a grounding that's that contentious, not many other teams are going to get the rub where they say, oh, we'll, we'll look at it. We'll look at inspect it, it very closely. Let's not award the try. They'll say, oh, no, these guys usually don't make mistakes. Now yeah, they'll be right. It Bro was, yeah, it was, it was... There was two angles of that try that looked like it was a try, and there was a third angle that didn't. And my God, didn't they look at that third angle a lot? Um, it was, I I have a problem with them. They gave a try on the field, 
And then they looked at two angles and they said, try, try. Commentators were already talking about the Knights being back in the game. Uh, Blocker was over the Blocker moon. Blocker was, was going off his teeth. He was, he was very, uh, he was dancing. Uh, he was dancing in the, in the, uh, in the it was stands. like 1989 earthquake all over again. It was a, <laughs> it was a nightmare. Um, there was, uh, but, but then only for them to Jared Maxwell, just to continue to look at it um, and, and find, find fault. And then, you know, to, again, it was a 50-50, but you can see his point, but he had to look for it. And he found it. I think if you look at any of uh, of these tries over like that again and again, really slow, you're going to find reasons not to give it. And why are we really looking at these tries? You know, uh, Just like, let the boys play. Let the boys play. Uh, the, the, they gave it a try on the field. Everyone's happy. The crowd's up. What kind of game do you think we're... Like, what kind of game are we running here? Like, do we really want to look back on these... On these moments of like a uh, thing of centimeters, thing, or do we want to run with the emotion? Like, let the game flow. You know, I think um, I don't think there'd be there's if that was given a try on the field, and then that fifty-fifty call was like posted all over the Telegraph as they love to do of like, oh, should it have been given? I don't think you would have those kind of um, you know the scrutiny that that they're, that they're worried about. So, um, but you know, I can see what you mean by the referees. Hmm. Was it, it just seems that they look at the Knights expecting them to make mistakes. I think and to and to their credit, the Knights, I think, have made the most mistakes uh, per game so far. Yeah. So, you know, there are mistakes in their game, but they need once they start stamping them out, then I think the referees will treat them with a bit more of a favourable uh, viewing. They'll go... They'll, not sh- it'll take years. It will take, yeah, it quite will take a long years. time. Like, and this is... Look, we can't give them anything, and this is disappointing that, we, uh, that we're, we're involved in these games and we... But you, you give you know you give them an inch, but like I always find the referees uh, are penalising Newcastle to take control back of the game when they're feeling like the game's getting a bit messy. There's a little bit of push and shove on the ruck. There's a little bit of calls for high tackles or calls for offside, and they can feel the pressure. And this is mainly scrutiny post game um, that, that, that they're copying from the media um, that they feel like they 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 should really make a call, and they make the call against the losing side or the side that's expected to lose. Exactly, they are. Yeah, they're playing into the narrative that we we expect the Knights to have this mistake. We expect the Knights to. Uh, you know, to get penalised here. The great example, again, the Pete Matowdy attackle on, I believe, Brad Abbey, where he yeah. knocked him into back to Bankstown. It was a huge <laughs> yeah. hit. And it, it looked, you know, again, it was a 50-50 call. Looked to me like the shoulder came up off the ball. Bam, penalty. Bulldogs gain 30 metres off a kick for touch. Yeah, look, and that was only like, you know, the it, the game almost stopped and appealed for a high tackle there. Mm. And um, as soon as it stopped and the player stayed down, it was a high tackle. You know what I mean? Like, it was just... It was like it was always going to happen. Like, as soon as the crowd went, oh, and the player went down, the the, the high tackle was just called. And uh, on review, you know, it, it did... I thought it bounced up and went high. Yes, he made contact with the head. But do you see this from other teams? No. You see it because it's an easy penalty to give against the Knights. And, like, it's frustrating, to say the least, as a Knights oh, supporter. exhausting. But it's also the so we come to expect, like, that'll be right. It almost will seem like the, 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 the catch call from the, the crowd. You know what I mean? Like, this bullshit again. And I do have to give credit to the Knights fans uh, for one of the loudest bullshit chants I've ever heard. I did hear this as well. It was yeah, wonderful. <laughs> Absolutely wonderful. That's what this city's bloody about. It's, it's a bullshit call. It's a great a bullshit, bullshit call. chant. Yeah. Great bullshit chant. Which I think is... Because yeah, we're not we're not a we're not a city that's going to put up with that kind of nonsense from them city boys. Like you know, oh, we are not going to sit over our lattes on Monday morning and discuss it. We are going to let the officials <laughs> no. know there and then 
that it's bullshit. I think there's only one answer to this, and it's uh, it's bring back Tim Mander. I think was the was there a better referee uh, out there like that? that did you obviously would... Hollywood Bill Harrigan? Hollywood However, Bill. you know, then you've got two very different styles of referee. Mander, a great referee, but very understated. Kind of you more, I guess, an Ethan Hawke. Type referee, whereas appears in everything, but you never really remember him. Yeah, (laughs) which means he's doing his job well. Whereas John Cusack, uh, yes, John Cusack, (laughs) even better example. Whereas Hollywood Bill, I think you know he's a more Tom Cruise Cruise, style, very in your face, uh, you know, very loud and abrasive, in control. Yeah, maybe he's a Scientologist. I don't know. He's a good looking Um, man as well. Great looking man. Remember when he had that long hair? He did have the the locks. I think. I was never a fan of the locks. I don't know why. What do you think you should have brought it back for more of a controlled haircut? Yeah, I like him just with the nice classic short back and sides. The short back and sides. Mm. Well, who was that? Uh, who's the referee that's got that came out last season with the uh, with the crop back and the, the comb over? Um, Tony Archer. No, it? it wasn't Tony Archer. He, he, had, had, the, he had the slick back. He had the slick back. That's it. He looks like he went through like just a handful of grease like right before the game and just slicked. Thought... He looked like he walked out of the shower every time he was about to come out. Got no. a pretty uh, distinct tan for a while as well that Tony, wasn't there at the start. Tony Archer. Yeah. Well, it's probably all that money that he got. He probably spent, a, you know, <laughs> over the Bahamas, to, you know, yeah. like in the off season Maybe from certain Matt clubs. Checkin. Matt Checkin has always had tidy haircuts. I can't think of this guy's name. This is very awkward. We have the technology too, and we're just not utilizing it. <laughs> but um, the but we'll look, we'll move. Oh, yeah, producers on the phone, so <laughs> our dial-up connection is actually out of action. Uh, That's all right. Um, look, I look. I was exactly the same. Look, I'm. Uh, it's I was I was annoyed by the referees and I, I, I hate that the fact that we're just constantly being um yeah as Brandy put it with the whipping boys and I think look it was good for him to come out and say it and I thought it was uh, uh particularly funny that he asked he, he couldn't comment on because he said he didn't have the money uh, and he asked one of the reporters what he thought of it so and uh, but yeah look we're not getting the rub of the green but look this comes with a losing side but look we're we're definitely downshot and you think they could at least meet us halfway. So I don't think you're asking too much there. No, uh, I agree look, with you. That's our look. That's our hats on and uh, hats off or hats off hats on. Um, we move on to injury news. Luckily, if the good thing about the Knights this year is that there's been very little injuries besides uh, Pythian at the beginning of the season. Yeah, besides Pythian, and then uh, you know Mitch Barnett with the brief uh, concussion-induced enforced injury. Yeah, there's not. We haven't well, really had a good. player that's really lost more than about a week. Mm-hmm. Um, and we, we we do name the same side this week as we did last week, which is, which can't be said for a lot of other teams. And thank God because we just don't have the depth that these other teams do. We can't put uh, who's South got at fullback. Um, Cody Walker. Cody Walker. We don't have a Cody Walker that we can just slot back into a fullback to when Greg Inglis gets injured. So um, luckily, our senior players are staying on the field. Um, and because because we need them, um, and which has been one of the night's downfalls of the last few years. You know, the amount of players we've had out injured and previously before the uh, roster shake-up, you know, experienced players out injured, you know. Yeah, well, it was just like... it was Last like year you had back in Manus, you had Cade Snowden, you had Jared Mullen, that's... 2013-14 was like Dad's Army. It was like they were just breaking down all around us. Um, so No wonder that John Hunter could afford that brand new lovely <laughs> helipad. <laughs> they needed it straight from the stadium, yeah. just straight over. Um, uh <laughs> But look, looking forwards, um, Good Friday. We've got the Clash of the Roosters. Great Friday. A great Friday. Mm. In, incredible Friday. Uh, I think they mentioned it in Genesis. Uh, they, they, um, <laughs> they wouldn't mention it there. Uh, incredible <laughs> Friday. That was uh, also that great film with uh, Charlton Burton. Charlton it was. Burton? Was it Charlton Burton? No, you're thinking of The Long, Long Eyebrow. Ah, sorry. Yep, I, you are correct. That the is The Long, Long Eyebrow. Char- classic movie. Classic film. One of Charlton's finest. It's one of my favourites. Yeah. Um, the... 
we've got the clash against the Roosters at 6 o'clock uh, Friday night at McDonald Jones Stadium. Uh, so, look, Liam, where do you think the Knights can win it? Look, I think where the Knights can win it uh, is around the ruck. Um, the Roosters tend to play quite wide of the ruck. Jake Friend has the least runs out of dummy half of any dummy half in the comp, I think. Yeah, that's true. 1.1 yeah, yeah. per game. And so, if the Knights... Outside defence is as strong as it was on the weekend throughout the whole game, mind you, not just over the first 40. We kind of have a very strong idea that's where the Roosters are going to play. So we bolster up the defence. Guys like Matauti, Gagai, obviously defending great defending last well, week. Yeah. And Sione, Mitch Barnett, out on the wings. Uh, not on the wings, on the flanks. Joe Wardle as well. They're tough defenders. So I yeah, think very much so. if you get those players tackling in numbers, hitting hard, putting those Roosters runners on the back and securing the ball... That's going to stop a lot of their uh, attack because that's where a lot of their attack comes from. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I think, um, the th- uh, as you said, like the, it was mentioned through the week, I think, uh, uh, what's Ross R- 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 Dog's name? Uh, Fulmine Bianco. Fulmine Bianco. Uh, mentioned that uh, that they have such big backs and obviously something that he's focusing they're on. Enormous. They are. They're just huge humans. Uh, this back line and um, I think, uh, uh, what's this guy's name? Um, I was supposed to say Blake Austin. No, Blake Ferguson. Uh, Blake Ferguson. Uh, Blake Ferguson uh, scored a hat trick against his last game. Um, he's obviously a, a you know a class player that that will um just go to town on a team like the Knights if they don't show up to play. And he did last time we played them. Um, uh, Luke Keary uh obviously leads uh the line break assists for the NRL with eleven. Uh, although 10 of those uh, are coming from uh, passes, only one from an offload. So very important to shut him down. Yeah, well, you'll note a lot of his line break assists are coming before the line. He's not hitting the line, getting a nose through, then popping an offload. He is creating opportunities before he's even hit the line. So that, again, will come with Newcastle pushing up in defence with numbers covering his support runners. Yeah. And then getting players on the support runners as soon as they've received those passes. It'd be interesting to see because I believe <laughs> Kiri's most success has been coming down this right side of the flank. Um, and that's obviously where uh, Gagai's um, defending. And like he made that, he made the right side against the Bulldogs his own. He was defending well, defending strong, uh, which hasn't always been his, uh, his, his game lately. Like there has been a few people refer to Gagai as a bit of a shirt grabber at times. Um, but, um, but... He definitely showed he, like excellent, excellent defense against the dogs, uh, against um, you know Josh Morris and and the likes of. So, look, I've called Dan Gagai a lot worse things uh, when Origin time rolls around. Shirt lifter is one of them. <laughs> Shirt lifter. Um, so you know I can't really fault people on that. <laughs> no, no, but no, yeah, no. his defense has definitely has improved. been found wanting in the past. But I think that's more of a reflection on the on the team. You know, like if if you're if you're conceding uh, sixty meters, uh, sixty meters plus in uh, in defence, and then they're coming down your flank, you're already, you know, you've already been defending. You're already, you're already chasing gaps yourself. And if like. you're distrusting your inside man in defence as well, oh, yeah, absolutely. you're in two minds already. Whereas if you've got a, a solid man inside you defending, you know, a good rock hard fella, <laughs> you're not gonna. Sorry, what? A good, a good rock hard, good fella rock hard fella inside defending you. inside <laughs> you, defending inside uh, you. You're not going to really worry about those fifty fifties. You're going to have your mindset. I know where I'm defending. I don't need to cover for him inside me. Yes. Uh, he can, you know, go in dry if you will. Oh, please. And, uh, <laughs> I don't understand why you are. Uh, no, why, no, continue, why is our continue, producer continue, crying over there? Dude? Continue. Continue, continue, Liam. Sorry, I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm a bit you're, flustered. You're blushing over there. 
Apologies. So anyway, yeah, but I agree. Look, if you if you could trust your your uh, your inside and outside defender, um, you you can obviously be a lot more confident in your own game, and you're not looking to cover, and you're not um, distrusting. I think, um, yeah, that's happened a lot this season. But like, this obviously Kiri's Kiri's been a danger man for the Roosters, which is only complementing Mitchell Pierce's game, um, who's always played well against the Knights. Um, he's uh, as much as um, being I've actually called him a lot worse things than I've called Dan Gago at I Origin know. time too. <laughs> like for some reason, Mitchell Pierce brings out the worst in me in Origin. Like. When you hear Mitchell Pierce might be in the like, and he is in the in the in the realms of selection, you're just like, oh, like you know what I mean, like another year, like here another. Here we go again. Here we go again. Mm. Like, and after coming off two spoons and the last two years, um, New South Wales loss as well. I need this. Please, I need origin. We just I, yeah, need, I need something. This. We need like give just us a break. A, give us just a little, just a suggestion of hope, you know, a rumor of hope, just <laughs> like, a faint <laughs> glimmer, just a faint glimmer. Um, but yeah, like so, uh, Wayne uh, not Wayne Pierce. Wayne Pierce has retired a long time ago. He's son years ago. used to eat forty bananas uh, pre-game, I believe. Did he really? That's what my dad told me. <laughs> he's a trim man. Do you remember that? He was uh, fit as the all. Simpler the best. He's oh. like he's like walking down the beach. Um, I don't think he was looking at Tina. He might have been looking at someone else. Might have looking I believe at, it was Paul Sirenin. We're looking at Sirenin. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but no, it's uh, but no, he's a very tr- very trim guy. Um, but like, yeah. Look, Mitchell Pierce uh, obviously playing well. Um, uh, Ferguson, um, what's Ferguson? Wasn't it? Yeah. Yes. So I mentioned before. Yeah. Look, big backs. Tupo, um, who who uh, loves an offload as well. A very big offloader from um, uh, from the stats we have here. Our stats were brought to us by our, our very own David Middlestown, I believe. Uh, is uh, with the NRL stats man. Yes. The NRL stats man. We uh, yes, we thank him very much for this. Uh, but um, but yeah, no, like. W- where do you think the Knights can uh, can will lose it? Uh, if that's uh, or I've already asked that question. No, like, no. no you've previously asked me where the Knights will win it. I win believe it, so. where the Knights will lose it is if we go into a similar situation as we did in the second half last week. The Roosters have scored almost. Oh, I'm sorry, the majority of their points in the second quarter. Yes, you know between your 21 and 40 minutes, which the Knights have tended, to regardless of how good their start, they've tended to drop off. Last week, obviously, they were better. For the second 20, however, then going into the third and fourth quarter, they drop the ball. So well, I think as the Roosters get on a roll, uh, we need to be able to stop that roll early and maintain dominance. So it doesn't matter how well we come out of the blocks, it is be imperative that the Knights keep the pressure on in that second quarter and then establish themselves towards the end of the half. I'd like to see them you know, playing their best at the end of the second half Boying them into the second half. Oh, sorry, the end of the first half. Yeah. Boying them into the second half and really just slingshotting them right through to full time. Well, I think the best best way to to get a team like the Roosters off their game. Just stop, start a blue with them. Start a, with bring back cattle dog. You think, like, <laughs> like um like like I think it's Give just me the old Kent Hotel kiss. <laughs> <laughs> um, the is is to really. Uh, to draw them out of their own game is to get into a bit of a grubby match, but score points, make them play that grubby match from behind. Um, when we have the momentum and like we've we've been suffocated out of these um, these first halves, like not so much last week, but like suffocated out of these games by defence, like just huge amounts of defence, which obviously takes the window of the sails of these young um, young fellas. Um, so it's like the 
to, to if we manage to actually convert these the pressure into points, and then suddenly these teams are playing from behind to try to swing that momentum around. I think that's uh, that's what I was hoping we we're going to do with the, against the dogs. And we just you know if that first half we're going into with a fourteen point lead, I think it could have been a very different game. But we just can't go to sleep. In that middle, in middle, I don't know what they're serving in those um, in the change rooms. Uh, Look, a lot of turkey, a lot of tu- a lot of turkey, box red, wine, red wine. What box is that? Um, tryptophan. Tryptophan. Uh, a lot of milk too. <laughs> um, for our listeners who aren't aware, uh, the Kent kiss is where you place a schooner glass in your mouth and you headbutt <laughs> your opponent with the schooner in your mouth. Uh, thus smashing into smithereens, cutting their face up, invariably knocking all of your, your teeth, teeth out. out. Yeah. However, yeah, it's a pride thing. It's it's a Hamilton. It's a, it's thing. a Hamilton. I think it's a Hamilton thing. That's why it's they have plastic there now. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, like that's it's yeah. Look, it, it's a massive game. We're gonna get a massive crowd. Um, like uh, it's a Good Friday. Um, you know, there's n- there's nothing else open in Newcastle. Let's be honest. Um, so look, it's gonna be a big day. There's gonna be lots of families there. We well, let's give their only hope is to give um, the Knights fans a bit of you know um, something that they deserved. You know, a bit of. And Jousters, I will be coming to you uh, live with some colour commentary from the game. Uh, apologies in advance. I God. probably shouldn't be held responsible for what I the say. The commentary will be colourful, will I be think. Colourful. Yeah. <laughs> um, if you see me, come along, say good day, and shout me a beer, and we'll and we'll chat. We'll chat. Uh, <laughs> the, uh, All things Joust. No, please get down to the game if you can. It's it's going to be such a good day for Newcastle. Um, but yeah, look, I think. What do you uh, scores prediction, Liam? Do you think um, for the for the Knights versus Roosters? Look, I'm going to tip the Knights. I'm going with my heart on this one. And Please. I think it'll be Knights 20 to, 20 to 12. 20 to 12. 20 to 12. I'm less confident, um, if not realistic. Um, and I hope I'm wrong because we'll review this next week. Um, that I, I, I'm going to think it's, it's 32-12. I think they, I think it might be all right, but look, I think if we get to points... To whom? 32-12 to whom? I will. Like if, oh, I'm going to say the Roosters. You and have uh, to commit, Nagy. I know, commit. I know, I know. And they're like, yeah, look, at 32-12, I think the Roosters are going to be too strong for us all over the park with those big backs. And they do have a point point to prove after last week against and Brisbane, like, uh, going the, into that game on the back of a few wins yeah. and just and getting falling blown away. off the park. Well, they are coming off a loss. They have something to prove. Look, um, Mitch Orbison and um, and 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 Boyd Cordner are also a very powerful mm. uh, hole runners. They almost run like centers. It's like it's wide. They run aggressive, uh, very strong lines. Boyd, another one with a with a powerful chin. That that big chin we discussed last week. It's really getting passed around the NRL. Because it's a bit like what, what's the shape of his chin like? It's a bit like a like a like a bam. Like a it's <laughs> like, like a bam, bam like a bam chin. A bam. <laughs> it's like the uh, bow of a ship that is under the water that you don't see. Look, like there was, if there's anything positive to say about the Knights uh, over the Roosters, um, uh, just uh, been handed a little bit of information here. The uh, they've played ten games on a Friday night uh, to date um, against the Roosters, and the, we've won six of them, uh, and we've drawn one, and the Roosters only won three. So look, we're, the stats are on our side. Mm. Uh, if only that stat might be. So can we say the stat is on the our stat side? is on our, our side. side. Absolutely. So, so yeah, we're going to have a lot of confidence in there. So, um, but look, uh, look, that's uh, the, that's uh, looking forwards um, to the game on Good Friday. Uh, we're going to have a short break, and then we're going to come back uh, with the pointy end. We'll we'll be uh, answering all your questions that you sent out on Facebook, and um, 
And uh, also, we might do a blast from the past because uh, we have our. Sorry, Liam. That is a catchy song, oh, isn't it? Sorry, yeah. No, I forgot what I was doing for a So, yeah, we'll join us uh, right back after the break and uh, we'll talk at the pointy end uh, <laughs> and also yeah, see what's in uh, Liam's mail sack. Uh, thanks, guys. We'll see you in a bit. Oh, Nagy, and we're oh, back. And we're back. Welcome back so, to the Joust. Welcome back to the Joust. Uh, where great we're just, song, though, there. It is a great song. Great. George yeah. Michael, may rest in peace. May he. May <laughs> he. <laughs> uh, where we discuss everything Newcastle Knights. It comes to the pointy end of the Joust, uh, where we discuss all uh, NRL news, and uh, we also look at uh, what's in Liam's mail sack. <laughs> Uh, Liam, first off, it looks like Jack Bird uh, is uh, not going to sign with the Knights. He's going to sign with Brisbane, according to uh, the latest news, uh, on a massive... I had to look at this a few times. A massive deal uh, of uh, over a million dollars a season. Is it 3.3 or 3.6 million dollars for a three-year contract? I had to look at it twice. Liam, uh, your thoughts? Uh, look, it's obviously a very big blow for Newcastle. Getting a player of that calibre would have been insanely good it would have been absolutely phenomenal however you got to think about the opportunity that then affords Newcastle because that is a huge contract and any contract Newcastle would have offered him would have had to have been close to that so yeah. that frees up a lot of money in the cap well it was close it was it was like but it was, like I always thought I thought our offer was paying overs for him uh, I thought he was a very good player uh, I still think he's a very good player and I, th- I really want him on this side but but playing, paying over a million dollars a season uh, with the now reduced salary cap that we're going to be uh, having from next year, um, not upwards of uh, close to this $10 million, it's going to be 8.3. Um, so are we willing to, to sacrifice that many, um, that many dollary dues on one player? Um, I think he's not worth it. I think with that kind of money available, um, look, it's not good that that, that that kind of money can't attract a player to Newcastle. However, um, I think this point of the year, we're in round six. We're talking about 2018. Uh, the, the kind of caliber of player that, uh, that's available for next year, uh, the likes of the Cooper Cronks, uh, the Mitchell Moses, uh, Jack Bird's obviously still in the market. Like These halves uh, out there and are available looking for a, for a big salary. So if he does sign with Brisbane, it does give us an opportunity to make a big play for another for another um, marquee player. Yeah, it could be a bit of a blessing in disguise for Newcastle. I think we could then chase a marquee with... Look, he is... And Jack Bird, he's, he's one of those players, he's very good in a number of positions. I don't think he's found his best position yet. Yeah, yeah, like, I agree. Like, and like he's that thing, he's, he's a very good centre, and he's hoping to play 5-8, but he's re- like, he played a little bit of their thing last season, and a little bit of fullback, but it's like... But he's really been untried in those positions, and it's like to pay that amount of money for a player that wants to play in a different position that his current form's in. It's like, you know, uh, like if you were going to make a big play for a thing, and you, you could get a Cooper Cronk for the same money. I know Cooper will never come to Newcastle because he wants to go to Sydney. But it's yeah, um, but uh, it's I was pretty like, nice little train I was, ride. I was shocked to see that uh, Jack Bird's considering this because he's he's still a boy living at home. Uh, he's 22. He's just a bu- young boy, a, yeah, but a small boy, but a small child. Um, living a great player, but like he's, but he's living at home. And to to travel to Brisbane, it just seems like a story that you're going to hear, just in like a year, eighteen months time. Them going, him going homesick. I need to come back to Sydney and compassionate grounds will be appealed oh, to. God, compassionate grounds. Yes. Um, but yeah, that seems to be this the the way out of contracts these days is just homesickness, which is um, I always thought rugby league was a little bit above that. Like you know, you're getting paid all this money to play the game that you love. It's a lot of money. It's a lot of money. It's a lot of money. 
and then to travel like you know, to be across state and just be like, I gotta get, I gotta get back to my family. I completely understand that, and I'm sympathetic towards it. However, you do see it a lot. It's becoming a lot more prevalent. A lot Maggie, more, a lot more prevalent. You didn't get this when there wasn't much money in the game, <laughs> like, no. and and there was not much homes. You you played where the money was. Look, it, look, I'd be more than happy to see that the Sharks match the Knights off any stage of the Sharks. I could understand that, um, uh, but. It seems like if it's between the Knights, uh, the Sharks, and the the Broncos, and he takes um, a little bit more to be on the on the probably one of the best earners in the game to go to Brisbane. Look, I'll be very shocked, and also to be just playing with the Queenslanders. It's, it's terrible, just, uh, it's terrible a, situation to be in. I think it might be Wayne Bennett and Satan who are uh, asking him to to sign this contract. Um, it won't be signed in ink. There is some. Uh, <laughs> there will be some exchange of bodily fluids. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Hopefully, blood. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. No, no. <laughs> maybe a spit promise. Uh, yeah, so, you know, nice uh, Loogie Brothers. Loogie Brothers. So yeah, look, win the un- gold Loogie. It's unfortunate if we can't see Jack Bird come to the club, but uh, look, uh, at the same time, if he's asking beyond a million dollars a season, or um, you know, he's, he's, he's he wants to stay at his current club with the same amount of money, look, uh, that that sits all right with me. I'm not expecting miracles, um, but at the same time, uh, look, if he wants to take up the Knights deal, and this is all this Brisbane deal is, um, look, and if, if it's on third party deals too, like he's. He's really rolling the die because time after time you see these third-party deals fall away at the back end of these um, when, the, when these players don't end up like it's it's the Darius Boyd story I think like he came here on massive third-party deals and then they uh, then they fell through uh, with the the fall of the Tinkler Empire so look I think if he wants to do it look it's his decision he's a young player but he's still got like probably he's, this is probably the first of three contracts that he has in his career so it's um, yeah look it's I'll be upset but at the same time. It put give ourselves an opportunity to sign uh, another big name and get ourselves in the race, and we could be really dangerous in that uh, aggressive for 2018. And look, it's only round six, 2017. It's very early, and you know it kind of points to uh, the recruitment and retention policy that Nathan Brown is sticking with. Well, we have uh, Mooney, who was um, oh, I forget his first name, Darren um, Mooney, Darren Mooney, who was uh, the who was previously at Cronulla and assembled that side, uh, was in charge of cr- recruitment there to get them the premiership. So. Um, but they're doing a very, they're doing it a very different way here, and I think this, the re-signings of uh, Barnett and Levi through till twenty twenty give a strong indication. Excellent re-signings give a strong indication of what they want to do. They want to foster the local talent. They want to stick with the young guns that are starting really to prove themselves. And the marquee players can wait. We can get those players, Once but the seen- focus needs to be on yeah these younger players who are coming up and proving themselves. And I think Brownie's made a really good call. To not well, sign anyone ex- only on performance? Is that what yeah, to focus, like? to focus <coughs> on the you know, young talent that we have first. Yeah. Uh, obviously, with the, ex- the exception of the Pong, who will be coming to club next year. You know, focusing on the young local talent first, well, yeah. which traditionally was Newcastle's strength, but went by the wayside a bit uh, when Bennett was here. You know, well, we, well, like you said, you Dad's give Army. Bennett, Bennett better credit. Um, you got to give Bennett... Credit Benny Creddy, Benny Creddy, uh, for Danny Levi, who d- he did bring to the club, he did, um, yes. But Mitch Barnett, being a good uh, Tari boy, I believe, um, he is, um, um, possibly a child of another Tari boy play for the Knights, potentially. You potentially. never know. I mean, uh, the ages are, are correct, you it, know, it, it matches could be, up. It could be, uh, it could be a, a Badiris, uh, little boy there, it but could uh, be. but he doesn't really have the chin, does he? It's, it, look, it's the lack of the chin, you know, who does have the chin ins from Tari. 
Boyd Cordner. Boyd Cordner. Oh, hello. Did we you just- know, loathe though I am to cast aspersions on uh, Danny Badiris's fidelity, or lack thereof. However, um, the, chin. the chin does speak more than words. Yeah. <laughs> um, and uh, But yeah, look, that's some two really good signs. We've got Danny Levi and Mitch Barnett uh, till 2020 on their performance of this year. So I think, uh, look, some great futures there for, for the two. But look, this uh, leads us to uh, Liam's mail sack. Um, uh, and I think we've got a few questions sent through on Facebook. Uh, Liam, uh, do you want to take us through? Uh, I think we have one from a, uh, uh, a Gavin M, we'll call him. or I, I think we'll probably stick with G. Morton. G. Morton, okay. Um, just well, for anonymity's sake. Yes. Uh, look, Gavin asks... Uh, I think he's. Uh, it's, it's the, <laughs> Sorry, I was. Gonna, sorry, yeah. I was going to read say the question off the top of my head, but I forgot what it was. Gavin asks: Are the Knights well served by having Matt Gidley as CEO? Uh, the Tahu flick pass relationship that was so successful in his playing days doesn't seem to have carried over to Gavin. He then uh, has made the ludicrous, if I may say, quite ludicrous comparison yeah. to his very own mountain man and wonders whether or not a very experienced CEO slash manager of football, football like Gus yeah. Gould would be a better answer. Look, if, if it was, I think Matt Gidley um, being the CEO of the Knights is, it was a part of the time back in 2014 when, uh, sorry, 2012, uh, when, uh, when Tinkler did come to the club and it was all about bringing the boys home, uh, the Cade Snowdens, uh, the Tamana Tahus, uh, the Anthony Quinns, and uh, putting someone uh, ahead of this sports side that was like a really recognisable face. And like for all of Tinkler's downfalls, you got to give him credit that he was just trying to uh, rebuild some Newcastle culture back into a side that, uh, after the, the years of the Brian Smiths, um, completely gutted the side. Of the um of that very culture um to the point of which um you know players like uh, 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 <laughs> Clint Newton uh, Regan Tanner uh, Daniel Abraham were shown the door um, and uh, Regan Tanner who also like was was the only player in 2005 to play all games for the Knights all uh, 26 rounds um, not fantastic in ability as far as an NRL standard, but look, he was there when we needed him, and he was he not certainly did wear the jumper. He wore the jumper. He wore the jumper at the appropriate at time the, during <laughs> the game. During the game, look, but look, he he put his heart and soul into the team during when the times needed, and that was sort of relinquished on on the way that we were we weren't performing. So look, I think Matt Gidley's was was an appointment more of the, the of the Tinkler era. We we didn't, and now being owned by the NRL. We don't have the, um, the the kind of flexibility or the money to sort of be like, uh, okay, we're just going to let our CEO go um, and and try to attract some of these uh, these bigger names. Further down the track, maybe is he doing the best job, or is he the best person for the job? Uh, maybe not. Um, but look, look. In the end, um, it, it's 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 on the administration side of running the club. Um, and that's something I don't know a lot about. Um, but it, it's, as far as we know, the, the club is still looking for an owner. Uh, and when we see that new owner come in, uh, I dare say that we'll probably get a new CEO or head of football or something like that. I say give it to uh, our very own Fulmine Bianco. Fulmine Bianco. I think wouldn't it's he uh, be a CEO to hang your hat on. Oh, wouldn't he be ever? Like he'd just be one of the lads. I think uh, he'd definitely bring the boys home. He like, would bring the boys home. He would, but he'd also be out with the boys. He would be out with the boys, but that's why he'd bring them home. He'd bring them home. Maybe he'd go he'd out with the boys. 
he'd have a you know I suppose a team of Ubers on staff on staff yeah uh, to get the boys it, home from the uh, from the Oasis when so they've had their kebab oh the Cappadocia uh, or the Cappadocia See, now, delicious uh, chips uh, uh, they're a wonderful chip now therein lies the biggest issue Cappadocia or Oasis there's the real line in the sand now because for me <laughs> look if you don't toast your kebab in yeah. a sandwich press you can get out of town plus. You're a Cappadocia man. I'm, I'm a sorry. Cappadocia man through and through. Plus, it hasn't made me shit myself recently, uh, which I cannot say <laughs> for the Oasis. Oasis. Cannot say that about them. Well, I don't know if we could, this. This might be the last episode of the Joust, everyone. Uh, with uh, the, the line being drawn, as irreconcilable I, differences. Irreconcilable. Um, I think I might say that uh, on compassionate grounds, I might need to leave. Um, Very much, this table just became the 38th parallel. <laughs> Of a DMZ between us, but yeah. So, so that one's uh, for you, uh, G Morton. Um, sorry, Gavin M. I think Gavin M. Sorry, yeah. We want to. We don't want any sort don't of. Don't want to reveal any any names. personal uh, details. But However, Gavin one. M.'s number, if you need it, <laughs> yeah, is, no, no. is uh, posted on a bathroom stall somewhere in Lambton. <laughs> uh, I think also we have one from uh, a Michael Favor. Uh, who uh, asked about uh, should the transfer window be open uh, during origin time? Uh, it seems to work in the EPL. Uh, and uh, would, would that work in the NRL, Liam? Your thoughts? I think a transfer window would be a good idea. Um, the Yeah, the whole transfer and signing and mid-year transfers, it's become a bit of a circus, I think, yeah. if you can find. I, th- I know the AFL has one as well. I believe it's a 10-day transfer window where all their transfers happen. It's pre-season. I think it would just tidy things up. It'd make it a lot easier. Middle of the season? I admit, or, yeah, I, I feel like you'd have, you'd set up two. You'd have a pre-season and you'd have a mid-season. Okay. And you'd have it over a period of 10 days or so. All transfers have to be done in that time. It would create a lot more certainty for coaches, for players, administrators, playing rosters. It would increase, it would... Uh, so you're saying if they want to go, go. Is that the, is that what you want to... Absolutely. I'm, I'd love a transfer window. Just... It would bring a sense of certainty in I that we currently don't have. think a sense of uncertainty, have. surely. Wouldn't that be like a like that, that that you might not see your favorite player playing, or like a club with more money can can suddenly nab this player? Uh, that 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 like if we had Mitch Barnett and we didn't lock him down, and then we we're trying to get the money, and then another player like the like another team like the Roosters came by and be like, oh, you you know, you lock forward there. Uh, we might uh, we might be having a piece of him. Um, um, also, a very good counterpoint, Maggie. <laughs> um, yeah, no, you've got a very good point. Yeah, that would be a <laughs> so bit like of a pisser, wouldn't it? Well, yeah, well, that's the thing. Like, I think keeping these teams together for a season, I think we're almost seeing like a transfer window, um, like happening this season more than previous, and and just like last season and the season before, more than previous. Uh, being that these things have, uh, there's no more June twenty one. Was that June twenty one? June thirty one. Thirty one. I don't know why they would no. do twenty one. They wouldn't do 31 either because, as, uh, as we all know, June only has 30 days. 30 days. <laughs> so, the June 31 June 30, yeah. would be the uh, the hidden day the where hidden everything day. got done. But, like, we, we're seeing these, like, even signing Ponga for, in 2016 for 2018. Uh, look, I'm not the biggest fan of that. It, give, it gives you these... Uh, uh, if you will, backflip times um, and these, these things over money and these other teams get to like, if look, if a player wants to change and gets a better opportunity in another team for more money, uh, you cannot um, th- say like, don't go out of loyalty. Um, you, but at the same, same point, if it's, if, if they are, if they have this opportunity, they're going to take it because there's always going to be players in form in the middle of the season that uh, weren't worth as much at the beginning of the season. And then suddenly they, they get nabbed. And meanwhile, they're in the middle of a contract 
it's just the contracts in the NRL mean very little at the very, moment. Very, very little. They're not much more than a handshake agreement. And with, as we said, the compassionate grounds and all this uh, other nonsense we saw uh, last year with Cherry Evans doing the backflip in the Gold Coast Titans, um, it, it seems like it's almost set the precedent that you, if you really want out of this contract, you don't want to play. I think it'll look, it happened years and years ago. But remember the Chris Walker sign with Souths? Um, do you remember this, Liam? I remember he did play for Souths. Did he play? Then he went to the Roosters and played in the I grand did final. Too. I never liked Chris Walker. You really? I detested him. Oh, well, he just go. had a strange potato head. Yeah. <laughs> it was. Uh, and God knows I love potatoes. And like, yeah, but yeah. his it was not the good kind. Not the best kind of potato. It was more. But I'm glad a, you brought up the loyalty issue because you know when players what? are jockeying for more money, people always bring up the loyalty. They say, "Why can't this player remain loyal to the club?" When in reality, if you look at it from the other side. Club loyalty to players has been notoriously fickle, but that's never mentioned. You see Andrew Fafita when he left the Tigers. Yep. You see, like you said, Daniel Abraham, Regan Tanner, yep. booted from the Knights. From the the loyalty has to go both ways. So yes, I, I, I'm all for players I, probing the open market. However, I think people complaining about player loyalty need to look at it from both sides. Kirk Reynolds was another one for the Newcastle Knights. He was, which, which the, it was kept out of his fourth year of his contract because Brian Smith dropped him to reserve grade, so he didn't play his 15th game. Uh, of the season to uh, of his third season to to not unlock that fourth season in his contract, which is um, I think it's you need as, as you said you have it both ways. If you're going to sign a player for X amount of money, um, you have to be uh, in the in the in the position to to pay that amount of money to keep the player if the player wants to stay. So I think it works both ways. I think you made an excellent point there. Um, but like as far as a uh, yeah transfer window, yeah look I don't like I think this this is whole uh this whole comp is built on people supporting teams which are really supporting players um and maintaining those players at the club for at least the end of the season um and it's fine uh to say like at the end of the season they'll change but like to change jerseys mid-season like, it's like well maybe mm. introduce a transfer window just at the end of the season end of the season I'll be end of the with. season end you have season. maybe two to three weeks the season's all done it won't distract from the footy it gives the players time to go into their new club, work through the preseason, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. No, I, I think agree. a postseason or very early preseason transfer window would be the would be the the I th- key. I think that's a good I think that's a good compromise. Um that that ends uh Liam's sack. Uh, Liam's male sack, you can close your sack, Liam. Drain uh, the sack. Drain the sack of questions. Uh but uh it, away, it, so does, full. it does take us on uh to uh a bit of a, a blast from the past. Because uh, Liam is a bit of a history buff, as a lot of people know, and he does keep up with these sorts of things of a bit of where are they now uh, from uh, an, you know knights of the realm that are no longer playing for uh, uh, playing for the uh, playing for the Newcastle Knights. And uh, this week, I believe we have uh, Paul Fronze. Ah, uh, the Fronze. The Fronze. The Fronze. Yes. Hey. That was his catch cry. Twas, twas indeed. Uh, actually, born in Newcastle, the Fronds. He's a good, good boy. local boy. Yep. Uh, then went on to play for the Panthers. Panthers, had a, had a very good career at the Panthers. Yeah. Also at the Sharks. Also at the Sharks. Early but it was, career. you know, it was at the Knights where he really uh, it showed his true colours, became true a great colours. clubman. You know, he's a great, great member of the Knights club. He really did a lot for the... He never actually played a game. He didn't actually play, no. No, he no, never no. actually pulled on the jersey. But he was signed. But he, he was, was signed. signed uh, never pulled on the jersey. It went on, uh, of course, as we all know, for a very famed stint. Bigger and better things. Bigger and better things at the uh, Pia Les Burros. Yes, uh, yes. Which is the Pia Donkeys in the French fourth division. It looked great division. Great division. Very great good division. division. Some would say the best. Or, you know, most would say the fourth best. 
Um, but it's it's top five. Yeah. Definitely top five. Uh, retiring from there, he uh, went on to be a very successful jukebox technician, actually. He did have a sort of a certain aggressive style to fix these. He did. It was a very uh, very brash method. He just kind of bashed firm the... Firm hit on the wall beside it. And uh, and also bothering the Cunningham family, I believe, that was... Uh, Look, he did live with the Cunninghams. Yeah, uh, yeah. I believe in... Just like, burst in from time to time above the garage. Above the garage, you know, and they came in... Uh, yeah, look, uh, he'd like to repair those jukeboxes. No tools, just with, just with a fist and uh, quick fist with his quick leather fisting. with his leather jacket and his slick hair. Uh, look, I think he really gave uh, the Cunninghams a lot of support. Mm. And the uh, Fronz now actually owns a uh, boutique fern and fern uh, distributor, <laughs> a nursery, if you will. The the the, the Fronz selling various ferns and fern accoutrements. <laughs> Uh, I love a blast from the past, Liam. Thank you so much for looking up that. Um, and a that pleasure. brings and that brings us also to the end of the joust. Uh, thank you all for joining us uh, so much this week. Uh, please uh, like us on Facebook, and uh, we'll be releasing this on SoundCloud as well as iTunes. Uh, please like, share, and comment. Uh, comment any questions you like us to cover in the pointy end. Uh, look, it's been a pleasure. Thanks, thanks so much, Liam. Oh, look, the pleasure as always, Naggy, is mine. This is uh, <laughs> arguably the. The highlight of your I would your say week. the highlight, probably the low light the of the week. The low light of week. It, yeah. uh, you know. it starts off with so much promise. <laughs> it starts off with so much promise. Oh, I love my life. Oh, but yes, no, it's a pleasure doing the joust, as always. As always. I'll catch you next week, guys. Thank you very much. And we're out. <laughs>